2: Hello and welcome to
3: Hysteria. I'm Aaron Ryan. This week, Alyssa Mastermonico and I discuss the most Devon of news cycles and chat with NAROL President Elise Hogue about Ohio's magical new law and what is to be done when we live in a snow globe of tears and lies. Then Megan Gailey, Naomi Ocperigan, and Grace Para join in studio to talk about the pressure to be happy, what it means to be depressed, and crying about macaroni with too much cheese in it. Then, as always, our Hills. quick note this week we talk about depression mental health and the effect that substances have on those things if you're struggling with these issues here are a couple of places that can help the national hotline for mental and or substance abuse disorders can be reached at 1-800-662-4357 that's 1-800-662-HELP and the suicide prevention lifeline is at 1-800-273-8255 that's 1-800-273-8255 now let's get to the show The news is, once again, a conveyor belt of mass-produced chocolates, and we are the overwhelmed candy inspectors just trying to keep up with all of it. From impeachment drama playing like a TV you can't turn off to the latest in the never-ending race for the Democratic nomination, it's tough to keep up with it. So I'm going to call up former White House Deputy Chief of Operations under President Obama and the Ethel to my Lucy, Alyssa Mastermonico.
1: Hello.
3: Hey, Alyssa. Hello, Aaron. So I have a question. I'm ready for it. This is a question that is that it actually has something to do with the news. It, it's like okay, a real okay. It's not a stupid, like, it's not stupid. Um, what did Devin Nunes think was going to happen? Like...
4: I mean, it is stupid.
3: What like, did he think was going to happen? I mean... Now it's it's every time I look at look at footage from, you know, the the impeachment hearings that happened, you know, a million years ago or last week, um, you see his face and now I just hear the like curb your enthusiasm music playing. What is he? What was he thinking when he was up there?
4: You know? You know what I was thinking about? It's like all those times in life, say, I don't know, you're a senior in high school and you go four-wheeling with your friends and wine coolers in the rain and you get stuck and have to call the police to come get you. And then your parents show up in the rain under an umbrella and they basically call you the stupidest person alive. Like, what did you think was going to happen when you went four-wheeling with wine coolers? I want what Devin <laughs> Nunez did with OMB and some fucking Russians. <laughs> and, and
3: like, I want to sit him down and be like, okay, Devin... Can I call you Devin? Devin <laughs> Devin sounds like an adjective for like the very Devin way he behaved. Um, like, I want to be like, okay, walk me through what you thought was going to happen here. Like, did you think you were going to get away with it? Did you think that you were going to, nobody was ever going to find out? I mean,
4: I guess maybe he is going to get away with it, right? You know what I want? No, you know what I want? I want the next time your beloved queen, Eleanor, eats a plant and then throws up from it. I want you to be like, that was so Devin.
3: (laughs) And also what kind of a monster makes so many telephone calls? Like these people who are involved in this Ukraine scandal, um, they talk on the phone entirely too much, like a monstrous amount.
4: Literally. Have you ever talked to if you looked at your outgoing call log, have you called your entire call log as many times as Devin Nunez called Rudy or OMB or anything like that?
3: No, I do not call my mother as much as Devin Nunez calls Rudy Giuliani. Like that is, and I mean, I don't call very many people very often, but like, Jesus Christ. Um, want to move on to another quick story. Uh, yeah, of course. RIP Kamala oh. Harris's campaign. <gasps> pouring, one out. pouring one out. Um, what did you make of the news that she was, uh, she was not going to be running for president anymore?
4: You know, I was bummed out. I think that she is great on the debate stage. And I actually think of all the people running, she would have had a really good chance against Trump specifically on the debate stage, but like money's money if you don't have the money to keep your campaign going, there's not a lot you can do. And it sounds like there were internal campaign issues that Mm -hmm. greatly contributed to this, but, you know, I liked having her voice in the, in the, in the, in the race.
3: Yeah. I, um, I did appreciate though. I, I also think we need her in the Senate though. I I think agreed, she's agreed. she's a very good senator. She's great on the judiciary committee, and she also had a pretty good clapback to the president yesterday when so good. he when he tweet he tried his like little syrupy sarcasm from NATO. Which yeah, of course you have time you have time to tweet it from NATO. Go ahead, dude. Not everything you have time
4: is, to tweet while you're shunned by all world leaders. <laughs>
3: everything is going so smoothly there. You better take it to Twitter. But she responded um, that she would see him at his trial, which. Uh, is the case since the Senate will be the jurors when uh, the president is impeached, and he's is probably—you uh, know—I'd bet some money that he's going to be impeached. No, I mean we can—he'll he, be impeached, right? Like yeah, I he'll mean, be impeached. after all that Devin behavior from, <laughs> from the people that so he's Devin, trusting, so fucking so Devin. Devin. Alyssa, did you see in any coverage of Kamala Harris, um, like, sexism and racism? Because I saw some people kind of reflecting on her dropping out of the race. And, you know, it's it you can't really be a Black woman running for office without having that be something that people consider in the way that they treat you. Did you
4: notice any of that? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, we've talked about it. It's, um, look, it's like, even when when I saw this really fucking annoying thing yesterday afternoon, a reporter on television who said... Uh, this is so bad. He said, you know, one common theme here, Kirsten Gillibrand's out. Kamala Harris is out. The two people who, you know, actively took it to Joe Biden proof that if you're going to go after the King, you better not miss. Are you fucking <laughs> kidding me? Like that was the dumbest take I've ever heard. Yeah. That, like if you're a woman and you're going to go after Joe Biden, you better be ready. I mean, but the whole, but no, of course. And it's like, but also yesterday they were, the thing that was, I think, most infuriating is that all of these reporters who had not been especially charitable to her all these months were talking about her dropping out and not even referencing the fact that she's a black woman, Mm -hmm. right? That it made it harder, that there were more barriers, there were more hurdles. Um, They were just like oh, yeah, like she, you know, didn't make it, but but she was a great candidate. Well, you could have said that when she was actually a candidate. Yeah,
3: she was she was a boundary breaker. And
4: that's something that you shouldn't gloss
3: over at all. Yeah, we definitely haven't seen the last of Kamala Harris. It's not like she's, you know, going to the, the land where the sun never sets in from like the Hobbit land or whatever. I don't know. She's like going to be around and we're going to see more of her. And she might even run for president again someday. Which would be cool. I mean, she's pretty fucking young. She is pretty fucking young. Good for her. Uh, Alyssa, this week Mm. I was, um, you know, impeachment stuff. It's happening. It keeps happening and I can't keep up with it. So I was trying to take a break and I ended up going down uh, an abortion K-hole, as one does. And I realized that there's a ton of stuff happening when it comes to reproductive rights and that I have been very bad at keeping up with it. But because I'm so overwhelmed, Alyssa, do you think that this would be a good time to call in some reinforcements?
4: How about Elise Hoag, oh president of NARAL?
3: I love hearing from her. Let's talk to her. Let's call her. Send out the bat signal. Okay. The Elise Hoag bat signal.
4: <laughs> Hello, Elise. Hi, Erin. How are you? My it's Alyssa. Oh, my goodness. Hi, Alyssa.
3: We have some questions. And okay. we hope you have some answers because this is a world of <laughs> confusion that we're living in. I definitely have some theories. Okay, <laughs> good. Theories work. Theories work. Okay. First off, thank you so much for joining us. My first question for you is, uh, you know, you're quoted in the in a New York Times piece that ran recently uh, about the fracturing in the uh, pro-abortion uh, access movement and uh, I want to know what you made of the piece as a whole and specifically what you made of the really cocky quotes from anti-abortion advocates um, about the movement destroying itself.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, I think that there are some questions that we should examine in the piece about what's the state of access and how do we best assure that um, All providers who do create access across the country have the resources that are required for them to serve all of their patients. And I think that's all great. Um, I think that, you know, I wrote this on Twitter. I think it's like kind of annoying when they get into the like, oh my God, look, not everybody gets along, which is true of life and true of all movements. And you muddle forward. And in fact, this is a movement that has worked very well together for a long time, but movements are messy. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think they glossed over. in fact, completely let the anti-choice movement off the hook by treating them as honest brokers, um, which they are very much not. And, you know, the paragraph that I was really drawn to was partly um, the sort of gloating tone of Penny Nance, who runs... Quote concerned women of America. Um, certainly, they're they're feeling kind of crowy and gloaty, which is really over of them, and we can talk about that in a minute. But there was a whole paragraph about their strategy for 2020, which they're putting 41 million dollars behind, which literally amounts to targeting key Democrat graphics who will vote in 2020, particularly women, particularly soft partisan and independent women who started to shift in the. Trump era and telling them lies about abortion to get them to stop defecting from the party. And, you know, what's fascinating to me about this is, um, sometimes we sort of fall into the trap of treating disinformation as something that only happened with Trump or only happened with technology. But what I always say is the anti-choice movement were early adopters in analog disinformation, right? And then we just called (laughs) Mm -hmm. it lying. (laughs) And the part of the way that they have made such progress when their agenda itself is deeply unpopular is by telling lies, which are actually quite dangerous because a lot of them are about medical information, where we most need the truth about what's happening. And this 2020 election strategy is absolutely no different. And that's the piece we should all be paying attention to, is how do we actually secure abortion access for every person in this country that needs it by beating back a dishonest, cheating, and lying anti-choice movement? Mm-hmm. Elise.
4: How can Democrats refocus the abortion discussion in a way that can help us win in 2020? And also, this is just a bit of a rant, but is there any way for us to stop unfit judges like this dipshit Sarah Pitlick, (laughs) who has a zero rating from the ABA, thinks IVF creates inferior children and is generally not a good person, from being voted on and likely confirmed by the Senate today, Wednesday, to a lifetime appointment as a judge in the U.S. District Court of Eastern
2: Missouri? Oh my goodness, Alyssa, there is so much in that question. Uh, I know, so let me take, that's why I went second. Let me take the second part first, um, because obviously I've been engaged in a lot of conversation about this charming woman today. But, you know, one of the things that I find is that people are shocked that she would actually voice her anti-IVF opinions. And I have to remind people that this is a really consistent ideology for anti-choice people, right? It is, I wrote on Twitter last night that, um, it, you know, their their basic theory is women are put on this earth to do one thing. And if we choose not to, we're suspect. And if we can't, we're failures. And Mm. and all of us deserve our fate. That is a very consistent foundation among anti-choice advocates. And how does that translate? It translates from all the way from no accurate sex education to no contraception, to no abortion, to no IVF, to no surrogacy, to no um, stem cell research into criminalization of pregnancy law that we've seen start to happen. And that's because they are really, you know, they really are not about abortion, or I should say they're definitely not only about abortion. What they are about is enforcing a rigid picture definition of what family should look like and using everything in their power through policy, through the judicial realm, to enforce that. And it's deeply undemocratic, and it actually looks nothing like America. And so that pivots to your second question, Alyssa, which is their entire strategy— of disinformation and putting more of these right-wing nut jobs on the bench relies on our silence. It relies on Democrats specifically, but certainly movements, right, to actually not call, not only not call them on their bluff, but also not be willing to lean into our advantage in 2020, which is that lots of people have had it with their shit. Am I allowed to say shit on the uh, show? Oh, yeah.
3: Yes. You're actually Excellent. penalized for not <laughs> saying shit on the show. So thank you for doing it at this point. We were going to have to kick you off for not saying
2: shit. <laughs> I'll try and get in my quota. Um, you know, this is the, the the sort of old mantra, right, of the things you talk about and the things you don't talk about. And identity politics don't win elections. Well, identity politics, as everyone on this show knows, is simply the word for when your concerns, your intersecting concerns of who you are, your economic security, your professional prospects don't look like those in power, which are traditionally cis white Christian men, right? So like, actually, when we look at the data, vast majorities of Americans not only support abortion access, but are scared of what's happening. It's a vote driver for them. For the first time in 2018, we saw more people saying they voted Democratic because they were worried not just about abortion, but that was a huge vote driver, but about what's happening at the courts, which goes to your second question, Alyssa. So we can't fight yesterday's war. We have to operate in the real politics of today, And start to lean into these issues and the values that they represent, right? There's a reason we fight for abortion access. It's about human dignity, compassion, and the freedom to live our own lives. The other side, they're not really for that. So when Democrats and movements lean into that and draw stark contrast, they're not only calling them on their bullshit, number two, um, of the lies and disinformation but they're actually winning the war of the hearts and minds of most of the American people. And we've got to get that happening right now. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah. I mean, as you were talking, Elise, I was thinking about how, um, you know, Penny Nansen Concerned Women for America are going after, with a lot of money, these kind of like upper class white women who have defected from the Republican Party because they're kind of grossed out by President Trump. But it seems like going after IVF is a real bad way (laughs) to appeal to uh, upper class white women, since IVF is something that a lot of them deal with. So I, I, I don't know. I was just thinking that is that is a really crazy confluence of, of strategies. Um, speaking of crazy, uh, I'm sure you've talked a lot about what's happening in Ohio, um, where lawmakers are trying to require doctors to implant ectopic pregnancies back into wombs. Um, why are they getting more brazen, despite the fact that, like you said, <laughs> there are more people who really strongly support abortion rights. Why are they doing why are they doing this? Like what, what is the end game of making up a magical procedure and then trying to punish doctors for not being able to do it?
2: Yeah, let's um let's start with the basic facts, which that um, idea that you can re-implant an ectopic it it topic pregnancy. Um is medical disinformation. My doctor friends say that's not medicine, that's magic. It can't be done. Um, and it's easy to laugh at it. But in fact, doctors who would be forced to try to do that actually endanger women's lives. Um, and you know, that's why there's been such a backlash. Um, but, you know, good public policy that's grounded in facts and science and addresses human need is not these people's goals. These people's goals, is uh, you know, these people's goal um is to enact a very rigid ideological extreme agenda through state legislatures, through the judiciary. And um, they're really emboldened by the Trump era because they're a been not a lot of checks and balances on it, right? You have to remember this has been a forty-year strategy for them, um, and this is a—you know—this is a good part that the Times piece got right. When you don't hold pop- popular opinion, as you point out, this is not popular opinion. How do you win? You win by—I I hate to use the word rigging because it's become such a, a bad word—but rigging the system. So, you know, when when they recognize that they don't hold popular opinion. They um, took over state legislatures, and they do it by hiding their real agenda, right, because it's not popular. Um, and then they gerrymander, and then they pass voter suppression laws, and they use disinformation. And because that has been such a winning strategy for them—and look, we're we're also complicit because we've let them do that in silence for too long, and sunlight is the best disinfectant Um Now, in the Trump era, they're extremely emboldened. And one of the most significant cultural shifts we've seen in the Trump era is that if you look at sort of the decade that preceded it, um, the anti-choice movement, led by, of course, Penny Nance and Marjorie Dannenfelser from Susan B. Anthony List, who were quoted in the article, but your very own Kelly Conway, who was sort of the godmother of a lot of these Uh, communication strategies, Mm. they really recognized that they had to sort of cast women as victims, right? We're sort of like not very bright and clearly confused, and therefore were subject to manipulation. And no woman in her right mind would ever terminate a pregnancy if she wasn't confused. And that led to all these laws like waiting periods and forced ultrasounds. Um, but what's happened in the Trump era that I find the most fascinating and undertold, underreported under-reported story is because— Trump is Trump, right? And because he surrounds himself with people who are um, like him, just overt misogynists, the anti-choice movement has actually felt liberated to shift that from women being victims to women being perpetrators. Hmm. We are now just straight up perpetrators and we're seeing that play out in all of this punitive legislation that's passing in so many red states, whether it's the forced pregnancy bills, um, in Georgia and Alabama that carry, um, You know, jail sentences, or my home state of Texas, where they actually held a hearing supporting the death penalty for women who seek abortion, but all of these criminalization of pregnancy laws, like the case of Marsha Jones, who was shot in the stomach while pregnant and was jailed for it.
4: So, Elise, everyone on Twitter knows that I refer to you as my commander in chief. So, (laughs) as my commander in chief, what are some actions? Thank you. (laughs) What are some actions that regular people can take to keep these stories in the headlines?
2: It's the basics, right? And it's just that we have not enacted the basics at broad scale on the, the issue of abortion as it's related to misogyny, as it's related to punishing women. So it means talk about it. It means demand that your media talk about it and talk about it in ways that actually exposes what the other side does. It means asking any candidate who is seeking your vote for any public office from, you know, I hate to use the cliche dog catcher all the way to president, to actually talk about what they will do, what is their position, what are their values, and to call out the other side. It's writing letters to the editor. It's showing up for hearings. They depend on our silence to win, and we have actually given them that gift for a very long time. I think, you know, not just women across the country, but the progressive movement and the Democratic Party and the candidates are waking up to not just the real threat, but the opportunity of actually just embracing this mantle of freedom and equity and equality for women. Um, But we need more of it. And we need to do it by modeling it to everybody we expect to do the same. Okay, so noted, being a pain in
3: the ass is once again the solution to our problem.
2: <laughs> I've gotten a, I've
3: gotten a long way by being a pain in the ass, and I would encourage everybody listening to also be a pain in the ass, especially about this issue. Elise Hoag, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we have to have you on again. This was really, really uh, great to hear from you.
2: Thank you guys both for all you do. I adore your show, and I adore both of you. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Elise. <laughs> Talk soon.
3: Bye. We have to take a break, but when we come back, a panel joins me to discuss depression. This episode is brought to you by IQ Bar. Power up your life with superior brain and body nutrition products from IQ Bar. Their plant protein bars are the perfect low-carb breakfast. Their IQ Mix zero-sugar hydration drinks replenish electrolytes, and their IQ Joe mushroom coffees will keep you focused all day long. And welcome back. I'm no longer alone at this t- lonely table. <laughs> Thank God, and I have three women with me that I'm so. Ex- this is a group that has not convened in quite some time. I don't know if maybe ever. ever. Maybe This ever. exact combination never. I don't think. What so. I, don't I feel. Think so. Wow. Yeah. Very special. Okay. First, I want to introduce. She's a comedian and she's furious. It's Megan Gailey. <laughs> oh, wow. I honestly
5: didn't know it was going to be me because I'm like, I feel like Naomi's a little furious.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's my natural but way. But it's
5: me. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too, yeah. <laughs>
3: it's like, well, it's raining in Los Angeles and everybody's grouchy because oh, we're yeah. all wimps about yeah. the weather now. My succulent's most grouchy of all. Like, uh. you know, if you put like water on a succulent, it's like, no,
4: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: don't. Please don't touch me. They're so mad. And I'm not bringing them inside because they have to learn how to deal with it. Um, they outside. Up next, we have the host of the Couples Therapy podcast, which you can see live this Saturday if you're lucky enough to be in Cranky Los Angeles. It's <laughs> Naomi Ekparrigan.
0: Yes, and you have to come to the show because Saturday is my birthday. So if you don't, oh, I will wow. take it personal. I will consider it a personal attack I if wow. no one appears. I'm very wow. anxious about uh, this. Uh, this is like the worst of both worlds for me. To have like a birthday and <laughs> a show yeah. and be like, do people like me?
5: So. Well, you'll find We'll find out. This will be the test. You'll find out. It's It's a funny lineup. I try my best. Former <laughs> panelist Kara Clank is yes, on. Yes, oh, Deborah Digiovanni. You know it. I remember I, I told you I have nothing good going on.
3: Deborah <laughs> Deborah Digiovanni opened for you that one time I saw you at Dynasty. Yes, she's a tour de force. Oh, so so funny. funny. Tour de force. She's so funny. Her visa
5: just got extended. She will be staying in America ten more years. Thank Whoa. God. We Thank need goodness. it. Goodness, I know it. a lot today. <laughs>
3: <laughs> she's angry but knowledgeable, furious and educated, <laughs> and uh, that husky voice you hear—so oh, husky. <laughs> from a long ass break because she had a, I'm making sarcastic air quotes <laughs> because of her job. She Whatever has, that's a, what's about. What's a job? I don't know. It's Grace Para. Hi, guys. It's Welcome been a back. long time. And congrats on getting
1: engaged. Thank you. Congrats oh my on God.
3: being hysteria poisoned. I <laughs> can't believe it.
1: I don't know what's in the water here, but it truly is affecting all We're of all us. We're all getting engaged. We truly are. I also
0: need the listeners to know you guys again. As Erin said, it is raining in Los Angeles. It is a torrent. Okay. <laughs> Grace Para has come through <laughs> with a full, full, 40s curl and wave. She's I, giving you Grace Kelly Latina a realness. Dress. And a shift I As show a, up for my women, I'm you I'm wearing know? a Target sweater. And the <laughs> fact that you came through with a curl, I can You know, I know can't what add. I will
1: say? This dress is from FashionNova.com, which I think I, I love. love. I love that shit.
0: I love it. So, 20 bucks. 20 bucks. She it. Yeah, She loves I, her fast fashion. I always thought it. it was
3: a scam. I was like, that can't be right. It's It can be a scam, but you gotta, you gotta sift through it. <laughs> Awesome. Yes. Okay, we're gonna get into a topic today that is like not happy. So we're I mean, but I think it's probably good to approach it when you're in a good mindset. (laughs) Um, and that is sadness slash depression and the way that the holidays sometimes feels like it brings it out. Because this is the time of the year when everyone is supposed to be happy, but also you're supposed to you're you're kind of like forced to party a lot, Mm -hmm. which is like something if you're not feeling good, it's like the worst thing in the world is going to a party. Second worst thing in the world is drinking alcohol, which is a depressant, but you're caught—like, it's just—it's a—it's a real perfect storm. Yeah. yeah. Um, I personally cried over a, uh, a casserole of mac and cheese because I thought there was too much cheese in it before, <laughs> before I put it in the oven on Thanksgiving. So that's where I'm at mentally. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah.
1: I want to start with you, Grace, because yeah. you're, you've, it's been a while. It's um, been a while. What is it about—do you ever get sad around the holidays? I definitely do. A lot of it is nostalgia. A lot of it is the pressure to feel like you have to be happy around this time. Um, I think that there is a difference between, between clinical depression and between holiday sadness, for sure. I think those things can become intertwined sometimes when we talk about it, but they're, they are very separate. Holiday sadness, though, I think affects more people generally. And I think—like I said, I think nostalgia is a big part of it. Um, there's a kind of sentiment— that is inescapable. I was at Trader Joe's last night, and I walked into fucking winter Wonderland. Yes, yes. inescapable. And I just couldn't believe, like, if I wasn't feeling particularly chipper at that moment, I was okay at that time. Whatever, just trying to get some fucking grapefruit. I don't know. Um, (laughs) And I I walk in, and it's just everywhere. Every image that you're seeing, the music that you're hearing, the uh, the ads are all being targeted towards this cheerful time of year. And if you're not feeling that, it just doesn't, it's really hard to escape it. It's really hard. Radio, same thing. 103.5 here in Los Angeles.
0: Now playing Christmas music all the time all I want for Christmas is you came on yeah. yesterday in the car and I said oh no yeah, it's begun it's begun I forgot for a minute Even though of course we're in the beginning of December what did I expect yeah. but it's like you hear those tones and it's almost to me like a horror sting yes that's what it is yes uh, uh, <laughs> you know <laughs> sorry continue Grace tell your story
1: that's the story it's capable <laughs> for me it's hard this time of year for sure and everybody else is feeling emotional too and my mom met my uh, now fia- my fiance's family for the first time over Thanksgiving and it was lovely but it was a lot seeing the mm-hmm. families come together for the first time mm-hmm. and now his family is flying to meet my entire family over Christmas mm-hmm. so whatever we experience over Thanksgiving is going to be like <laughs> with all the siblings now and it's like going to be you know 20 times over so uh, it's it's wonderful it's emotional it's a lot uh, I don't know how to deal with it though that's the one thing I'm sort of just taking it one day at a time I don't I'm sure there are guidelines do you guys have <laughs> advice what do you do? God, I went on and PR once and was the advice giver on uh, how to ho-
5: handle holiday stress. And the last time I saw it, my parents, my dad called me a bitch So <laughs> on the way to my own bridal shower. He goes, you know what? You're a real bitch. And I was like, pick me up at Saks. Um, <laughs> There, is, i is—I'm—you I, know, I suffer from depression. Um do you? I do. Interesting. was. I, I was diagnosed—I've right. been in therapy since I was 12. Okay. I actually yeah. started seeing a counselor who had treated my brothers for sort of behavioral issues, and then mm-hmm. he'd been like, I can't handle you. I think I've <laughs> talked about this before. And then I had to go see a woman who specialized in female adolescence mm-hmm. and was with her until they had to kick me out. Uh, (laughs) So last week. Yeah. I've been on Lexapro since I was 16, Mm -hmm. on and off, and it really, really helps me. Um, And I think, The holidays in particular, I was at home. I was here in Los Angeles over Thanksgiving, and I ended up getting the flu. And so all I could do was lay in bed while my whole family was together. Mm -hmm. And whether you're estranged from your family or not, not being able to be geographically close to them is hard. And sometimes being geographically close Mm -hmm. to them is difficult. As CJ kept reminding me, if I had been with them, I would have been upset too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And so there is all that pressure. And and then I think the holidays adds in financial stress Mm -hmm, too mm -hmm. of people— want and you and you feel the need to give things yeah. to your loved ones because that is like the signal of love at this time whether it is or not and you're just required to give so much of yourself during this time and it's it's very draining. I think it reminds us of people we've lost mm-hmm. um, that we cannot be with. Mm-hmm. The closest loved one I've ever lost died five days before Christmas, mm-hmm. and so I think about her even more mm-hmm. as the anniversary of her death comes up. and mm-hmm. And you just you're never going to have a perfect holiday, but. The pressure to portray this perfect holiday because of social media, I think, has been just added in past years, and and it's— very much okay to go, this sucks. And I'm actually really not handling this well. And I need to do what I need to do. And that may be sitting out giving gifts for a year. And yeah. and people are not understanding of that sometimes, but they should be. And if they're not, then they can really fuck off.
1: <laughs> I mean,
3: you bring something up that's really interesting because all of us none of us are from the city where we currently live. Uh Mm -hmm. And I think in a lot of cases, if you're somebody that's pursued a career where like the hub of that career is not where you happened to be born, Mm -hmm. then you, you end up living a life where you're not close physically with your family. And for me, I've, I think the last time I lived, I was 18. Mm -hmm. I moved out of the house. I just turned 18, went to college and I've not been within like a five hour drive of home ever since. Mm -hmm. And like, my brother and my sister both live close to my parents and like their family they all hang out. Sometimes when I go home I'm like I get this feeling like you guys have all been hanging out without yeah. me. <laughs> You're yes. all hanging yeah. out without yeah. me yeah. so so much and then I start feeling bad because it's like what what is the solution here? Like were they supposed to like fly to Los Angeles every time they were going to have Like there's, there's just no, I chose, we, we all chose to be separate from our families. And I think sometimes that contributes to a feeling of like Mm -hmm. aloneness and Mm -hmm. isolation, even though like everyone is portraying togetherness, it's sort of like, you can't really feel together if you've been, you know, uh, hundreds or thousands of miles away from somebody for a really long time. Mm -hmm. Um, Naomi, I wonder if you experience uh, any sadness that fluctuates with in, in relation to the holidays and how you handle it.
0: Well, you know, I have, um, for me, a big part of it too. It's not only, because it's funny, I feel this in LA. Um, and, you know, everyone knows I don't like it here. But for instance, there are a couple things that happen. And for some reason, this year it really hit me. Daylight savings hit me hard. Yeah, was, yeah. I think the been been sun cruel. has been. And that's hiding. a big thing to me. And I think, for instance, when it's raining, like I get extra angry. I usually love rain, but there's something for me where, to me, LA's only saving grace mm-hmm, is sunshine. Mm-hmm. And once you take that away, then I'm just in a wet suburb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I get real extra, like, I don't like this. But it's also. I think a big part of it is like, it's dark now. Literally, you got like five good hours to do stuff. Mm -hmm. And then it's dark and that feeling. And then also a big part of it is just, you know, as I already said, like my birthday, but all of this stuff for me, like I think of December, it's like the year in review.
1: Yes. Yeah. So I think the
0: big part of it, too, is like looking back on the pr- the last 11 months being like, hey, well, what did I do? What happened? Was it good? Do I have a resolution now? You know what I mean? Like re- to be like, what's going to happen in the new year and stuff? That
1: affects me so much. The It's like being on the precipice of a new year and feeling like, well, this year has got to be the best year ever. How am I going to make it the best year ever? Mm-hmm. There's an added pressure not only to feel like you're wrapping up the year, but that you are amping up to have yes. the best year ever. Yeah. Whatever you do, make sure that it's the best year ever. But we have no control over those things. <laughs> yeah. But we feel like we have to set ourselves up for that kind of expectation and it's impossible to live up to. It's yeah. almost like, like the Sunday scaries, but December <laughs> yes, is a month-long exactly. Sunday scary. A full mm-hmm. Sunday series. Yes. And
0: like what you were saying though before, where you're like, how do I do deal with family and stuff? My big thing, which I feel like we have to do more of, especially as you were saying, Megan, like you give and give. We have to be comfortable stepping away from everybody because it's not simply to be around family, but it's to be around family 24-7 mm-hmm. and these big group gatherings. And, you know, sometimes Andy and I will just like go get breakfast somewhere else, like just go leave the house, mm-hmm. let my mother trip over to right place <laughs> and then come back when she solved that problem. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's like. And I think sometimes it's like, we're together now. We need to be together. And it's like, absolutely not. Think about anybody you love the most. Can you really talk to them for more than 90 minutes straight? (laughs) No. (laughs) So it's like we all need to like take a very quick break during all of this. And then you can kind of like get your energy back up to be like, tell me that story again, auntie. (laughs) I'm someone whose
5: happiness is sometimes tied to how I'm feeling physically. And I do think this is a time when we are like Stuffing ourselves. Oh, that's literally <laughs> yes, with yes. stuffing. Mm-hmm. And in the in the Sunday scaries vein, we're like, listen, Monday I'm getting a salad. So I'm tripling down. <laughs> and we're just gorging because we know come January 1st, this is done. Yeah. <laughs> and and then we're feeling bad about ourselves because we physically don't fit in our clothes. Oh, yeah. We're drinking. We're smoking weed. We're doing all of these things that are just making us feel ill inside mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. and angry with ourselves yeah.
3: <laughs> you know what I tried doing the other day and this actually made me because I've been on a like everybody goes through ups and downs or whatever but I've been on a like down and that's okay I mean mm-hmm, whatever everybody mm-hmm. everybody goes through them um but I was uh I tried I woke up very very early like to do a, a yoga class what time do you usually wake up like 7:30 730, 7:38 and then and Whoa. so very early was I like... woke up at 5:20 wow and went to Whoa. yoga Whoa. at 6 and like when we came out and I went with Josh and we came out, the sun was like just up and I was like, whoa, daylight. Like, so I got <laughs> yeah. the, the, whole the whole day yeah. of daylight. And Love that. I hate like, you know, waking up early, you're just like, I don't like this. But then once you're up, it's sort of like that day. I was like, oh, this is great. I'm perking up. It felt yeah. it felt really good to just like get out of bed early. Yeah. Now, when it's cold, I mean. In a warm climate, that's easy. Um, but growing up, I remember mm. like no, we yeah. No, no. When it's freezing and no. dark, yeah, freezing yeah. doesn't
5: get yeah. It's yeah. just
3: gray yeah. the whole day. Yeah. Also, you're sleeping under like 15 blankets yeah. because like yeah. Yeah. it's physically harder to get out of yeah. bed yeah. when yeah, you yeah. have like you're in like
5: a cave of blankets. Yeah, um, I, I took NyQuil last night, which I think I am addicted to now. Um, <laughs> after my flu that transitioned into a cold, I took NyQuil and melatonin <laughs> and got. I woke myself up from sheer stress at 5 a.m. this morning Uh, and then laid in bed, tried to read, looked at Twitter, looked at Instagram stories, thought about how mad I am at every single person in my life that I love. And (laughs) then I got my car and drove here in an hour long traffic. You know, it's like the day started bleak. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
5: will continue.
3: I mean like like Grace mentioned earlier there's a difference between being sad and like having a downswing and being like clinically depressed and I don't want like none of us are doctors mm-hmm. I, I just play one on a podcast um, <laughs> but no but you know what for you individually like what is the a moment when you would be like okay time for me to go to the doctor. Like mm-hmm. if you were feeling like mine is like if I were like if I'm crying uncontrollably mm-hmm. for like an hour, I'm like, OK, this
1: there's this is like no reason crying. It's t- I need to like, yeah, do something mm-hmm. about that. I, I think the point at which it interferes with the day to day, whether it's working, whether it's being able to get out of bed um, and interactions with people that you loved and see on a consistent basis, um, all of which I've have happened to me. I mean, I've certainly been in therapy and I'm looking forward to new WG ins- insurance kicking in January 1st where I can get back to <laughs> (laughs) my therapist. Thank Mm -hmm. you so much. I'm very excited (laughs) about that. Um, you know, like, and, and that's, that's by the way, it should not be something that is, um, it should it should it shouldn't be it should be very universal for people to be able to go see a therapist, but it's tough for people to get to the point where they feel like they can uh, or that they even want to. I mean, I know growing up in Texas, like I didn't know anybody who was in therapy, mm-hmm. anybody. Yeah. I, I didn't know. And maybe that was a socioeconomic thing. Maybe that was a cultural thing. I don't know what it was, but nobody was in therapy. Mm-hmm. But now I'm at the point where even my, my mom, my older brothers who were always like, what's therapy? That's mm-hmm. for like weird rich kids on the Upper East Side and like television shows. They're like, oh, that's a thing that I should consider. That's mm-hmm. a thing I would definitely embrace. And I like that. I feel like Culturally, I have seen more people embracing therapy. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely up to an individual when you decide it's time. I don't know. Maybe, like, planning a wedding is stressful enough to <laughs> amp it. I, I'm on the precipice of this. I feel like I should, you know, oh man, get into it.
5: <laughs> I, I think for me when I'm like, oh, it's gotten bad is when I feel totally helpless and Mm -hmm. alone. And if I were to talk to uh, someone I love and they'd be like, yeah, but I'm here for you. And I, you know, ask for help with X, Y, Z. And I just like can't Hear it, mm-hmm. then I'm like, I, I've gotten to a point where I can't even accept like love and help from people mm-hmm. because I I just
0: can't even open up to it. Mm-hmm. I just started Lexapro, Lexapro Wellbutrin combo about wow. a month ago, oh. and I I've done that stuff in the past, but I hadn't been on it for a while, and mm-hmm. I kind of got to a point where, and it was funny because it's the first time it happened. Andy came with me to the doctor, oh. and initially I was like, I hate this. This feels infantilizing, but the decision was because. I can't see the forest for the trees. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I can't go to this person and say, like, I was like, okay, you be here to say kind of from the outside, the person who sees me every day, mm-hmm. but who doesn't have my sick brain, what you're actually experiencing of me. And then it was also for me, I noticed, like, my thing is that I, um, I can't look people in the eye. I don't want to be out of the house mm. like I it's about like not having energy. And then that is coupled with, as you you know, as you were saying, Grace, of like, how does it impede your life? I don't have a life that makes that possible. Mm-hmm. I can't be somebody who's li- like literally 90 percent of my job is like being a dynamic person. Yeah. And like if I can't do that at all, if mm-hmm. the idea of like getting on stage, like I know some there'll the times when I'm on stage mm-hmm. and I look at the ground <sighs> That is how I know. I'm like, oh, you're not right. You can't even like look out. Yeah. And this is what your job is supposed to be. And that and that has happened. And then it was it's interesting, though, because I would say the first week I took, I was like, well, be- honey, well, Butrin, honey, that's like fucking my meth. The first week I was like, let's clean <laughs> the house. But now I'm like on week four and I still I find myself back to being tired again. And mm-hmm. like, I can't I, I miss the pep in my step it gave yeah. me that first week. But, you know, it's always been the thing that's so important to know when it comes to that stuff. The thing that I don't want to accept sometimes is that like it's one of the many prongs, right, to fixing it. Like mm-hmm. I keep wanting, you know, because sometimes I'm like, okay, this is a this is a chemical thing, so I'll have a little chemical adjustment yeah. and then I'll be back. And then it's like, oh, no, I still have to learn how to behave normally mm-hmm. after <laughs> yeah. that, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. And it's like figuring out, like, all those different layers of it. But, yeah, I find for me it tends to be about, like, having no energy and, like, being like, I can't be around people. Being around people hurts. Like, where I'm, yeah. it's too much work, and they're going to want to talk, and then I have to look them in the eye and ask yeah. what they're doing. And during the holidays,
1: it's, like, Ugh. most unavoidable. It's so and I, yeah. I yeah. have a question. Did Andy—was did Andy, uh, he part of the decision-making in terms of you deciding to go— to- No,
0: I was like already in it, you know, and like certainly as a person who's like, because it is, you know, and being in a relationship and like realizing like, oh, what it is to be around somebody when they're hurting. Right. It's like that's its own journey. Yes. And so, you know, after nearly a decade, I can't push that aside and say Mm -hmm. like, you need to relax. I am fine. And (laughs) it's like, well, Um, and so, no, it was more like. I was like, I think I need to go, but of course, I was like, I don't feel like it. You yeah. know, I didn't want to. Mm-hmm. That's a bitch of like, it. Like, Depression, yeah. like dep- yeah.
3: the d- the state of being depressed, yeah. makes you less, and le- the more
5: severe it is, the less mm-hmm. likely you are to try to find help for. Yep. It. Yeah. Such a bitch. I know. Homework too. It's it's like, work. You gotta go. I mean, I- I've met with therapists before, and I'm like, we just didn't click. Like yeah. it's, it's like, like dating. dating. It is. And then it's like you don't want to date when you're no. depressed, and and it's an admission of a sickness yeah, Yeah. and it's very, very, very hard to do. And if you even get to that point, you have made a giant victory Mm -hmm. that, that you do need to reward yourself for because it is so difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes
3: I feel like, um, the times that I have I've had the energy to like talk to somebody, it's no longer a problem. It's like, ah, oh, the car it's like when you take your car in to get it fixed and you're like, oh, I was I, <laughs> it's yeah. anymore, it was making this sound and it, mm-hmm. I, oh, I yeah, it's not making the sound anymore, but it was making the sound and it, ah, I can Placebo effect. Yeah, 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 exactly. The act of doing something yeah. sometimes makes it better, but also it doesn't stop it from coming back. Right. Mm-hmm. Like the times that I've been going to, that I've gone to therapy, I've had a very like ping pongy relationship with it. Um, mm-hmm. It'll be like, I'll go and I'll be like that was fine that was good that was good and I'll do it for like six weeks and I'll be like I'm better now and then I'll just stop <laughs> and yeah. then the sa- it'll start over again and it's like I've never been medicated for um for, for depression but I you know I have had like a Xanax prescription because it was like it turns out it was just a bad relationship and I was interested in <laughs> I was anxious all the time uh, for like a legitimate like I would oh go to yeah. the doctor's like I can't yeah. sleep. I'm anxious all the time. It's like, well, you're scared of your boyfriend. So yeah. Like, yep. oh, yes. that's that and then I, I actually the cure for that was just no longer being with him. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um but you know, it's it's hard because it's it's a condition where like there's sadness and there are things that you can do to alleviate deep sadness, like go to the, you know, Go to the gym and walk on the treadmill for half an hour. That's like better than nothing. That's mm-hmm. some do something. Do mm-hmm. a single thing. Do one load of laundry. Mm-hmm. Do you know? Go out to you know walk down the block. Do but s- do, but do don't something. you think that
1: there are more incentives to not do things anymore in in our day to day? Like I, I I think you're absolutely right. That is a prescription. But like we have fucking Netflix and Hulu Plus <laughs> and Disney Plus <laughs> yes. now. Reveling in your sadness does feel good. Yeah, yeah. You know? and it's tough to 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 get up against that. And to be like, I know I need to go do something, but also like Postmates is right there. And I (laughs) can just order things. Like in some ways, the way that life has been automated for us, it actually, it it, it isn't as, uh, it's just not easy. It's just, life is just made so much easier to just sit. It's easier to isolate. Yes. It's it's super easy. And Megan,
3: that's a really good point. It's okay to be sad sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like just because you're feeling sad doesn't mean you need to be like, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. And like, what is the line between... I'm I'm asking, it's not a rhetorical question, I'm asking, what is is for you the line between being like, okay, right now I am sad, I'm acknowledging that I'm feeling sad, I'm allowing myself to feel sad, Mm -hmm. and the time when you're like, okay, it's time for me to move on to a new feeling.
1: You know what helps is cues from friends and loved ones. Um, That's tough, but, and I don't know if you guys have been in the place of having to, of recognizing it in a friend or recognizing it in a loved one and having to gently tell them, hey, you know, have you thought about therapy? Sometimes that is not met with a lot of, that's met with a lot of resistance. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's not met with with, um, positivity. That can be tough too, but listening to cues from people around you. Now then again, that's, I think it's an advantageous for people to be in, to even have loved ones and close ones who can recognize those signs. Mm -hmm. A lot of people People don't necessarily have that and live in so much isolation that they don't have people who can recognize those signs for them. And that's that's that condition and that state for people is what I fear most, not only for myself, like God forbid that happens one day where I'm somehow living in isolation. But for people who are in society who don't who just don't have those people looking out for mm-hmm. those cues, um, then you really have to be self-sufficient. And that's yeah. tough.
3: I mean, I think what's really good right now is um it, it, Like, this conversation feels very, like, normal. Mm-hmm. None of us are, like, I really like all of you. You're all, like, very functional, successful people, but we all go through shit. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think a really important thing is for people to realize that it is so normal mm-hmm. to have abnormal bouts of sadness. <laughs> right. And, like, one thing that I've noticed is a lot of art, a lot of pop culture right now is being made about sadness. Naomi, you've been on a podcast that's about yeah. depression. The, mm-hmm. What is it? The, the hilarious.
0: hilarious world of depression. Yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's a
3: great episode. And then I just watched uh, Gary Gallman's The Great Depression, yes. which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in uh, Big Mouth, there's The Depression Kitty. Um, mm-hmm. What are some of your pieces, are your favorite pieces of like depression related
0: art <laughs> and culture? Because it's, it's become so good. Like The Great Depression is incredible. It's so funny to me, but it's also there's something about I'm I'm very interested in who we allow to yes. tell those stories, yeah, and who we allow to be sad because I've definitely felt like because like some of my favorite like I love uh, like Maria Bamford she mm-hmm. talks a lot about that Aparna on and like mm-hmm. that was kind of her thing. But I found in my own experience of talking about that stuff on stage, it doesn't land well. Hmm. Mm. And I think it does have to do with, you know, what people see when they look at you and what they think of you and how that and how your different sadness manifests. Like, I think mine has a very, it's an undercurrent of anger Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I'm a black lady and I have like a deep, loud voice and I'm tall and it's not the same as like someone who's like. It was so hard to be sad to <laughs> You know, like, where like you're instantly right. endeared to that person, right? right? And then they like put a joke on it and you're like, I feel that, you know, or um And so it's interesting because I do feel like we are definitely talking about it more as a culture, but the, but the people we kind of let tell the stories at a big level are like feeling a little samey. Well, I think what's
1: interesting too, is the idea of there being performative depression Mm -hmm. or performative sadness, not to say that people put it on, but you know, like those Instagram pictures of people will take of themselves, like, you know, it's, it's ultimately like an attractive selfie, but they're like, I had a terrible day today Mm -hmm. and everything's (laughs) so bad. And it's like, I'm not saying you're not sad or depressed, but like you are putting this on for your followers you need likes you feel that desire to get uh, approval for what what you're feeling and that to me is a really tricky area i think great art can be made and should be made from and has been made historically through through uh, you know f- w- with these sentiments in mind but i also think that there's um i think a trend especially with social media where we're moving towards people performing out their sadness because they they desire that attention mm-hmm. even if it's not necessarily genuine
5: yeah i agree 100% with, well, everyone, um, (laughs) with what you're saying sort of about like the messenger that's allowed. I also think that, you know, we live on a coast and we are in a creative business where our emotions and the things we're going through are very much celebrated. Mm -hmm. But to be, you know, at your insurance job and walk in and be like, I'm depressed (laughs) and just like throwing darts at a picture of yourself (laughs) is probably frowned upon. I think that's hilarious. (laughs) You get a raise. So it's like, we almost are the luckiest because we're allowed to. To have this conversation right. and no one thinks it's weird or crazy. You can also monetize your break-
0: breakdown. Absolutely. You <laughs> like that. yeah, totally. That's a special. Yeah. Yeah. I,
5: I've talked about, oh, my God. I remember once talking about they I, I found a lump and I was just like, oh. well, I guess I have to do stand up. <laughs> and, and everyone was like, not furious, but I could. T- and I start crying on stage, oh, which is oh, yeah. like the most vulnerable, terrible thing you can do. And I was just like, no, I deserve this. Like, (laughs) I've given so much. I'm going to fucking cry up here on this stage. But people were like, we just want to hear about, like, boats (laughs) (laughs) Boats <laughs> <laughs> and like how well, what, much you want to fuck your family.
0: <laughs> Not this. Okay, literally. So a week and a half, two weeks ago, a, f- a family friend died. A close family friend died. It was very sudden. Sorry. She was very young. It was a very, very bad. And I and I did show. I did a show that week, and it was one of those things where it's like, of course I could have canceled, but I was like needing, like I had mm-hmm. done it either way. The point being, it was I literally got on stage, but it was that thing where I was like. I was like, I don't want to do this right now. This feels terrible. Mm -hmm. I was like, I wish we were in one of those movies where like a stand-up has a breakdown on stage and then everyone gets up and slow claps and they win the big audition. (laughs) (laughs) Because there is always that like trope, you know, where it's like, you got a big audition and then they like, fuck it up because they're too upset. And then everyone's like, we love you anyway. Yeah. Like, that was real. The vulnerability. Yeah. yeah, and it's like, in real life, absolutely not. <laughs> like, no one wants to sit it's, there and, like, I'm walk. Charles yep. W. Comedy, yeah. the <laughs> president
3: of comedy, and I'm <laughs> making you my vice president. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. The big,
5: big sick has a very <laughs> right? that, funny that's, that's scene yes. yes, yes. Yes, yes. where he's doing like yeah. his JFL audition yeah. and has this breakdown, and he break, right break Yeah, Because yeah. that's yeah. usually what happens. Yeah. Yep. But it's like, yeah, we're allowed to bomb. That's
0: a part of our process, too. But a It does feel like there has been, and uh, a big thing I uh, attribute it to is Mark Maron, you know, grandfather of podcasts, but also grandfather (laughs) of the um, comedy as catharsis, Mm -hmm. where suddenly I feel like in the last 10 years, there's been this shift to like being real as opposed to like this distance observation. Mm -hmm. I think now it's like, this is my real. And then the other flip side of that is then like, you know, just like ironic, detached nonsense. Uh, This is not a treatise on comedy. Let me focus and tell you why I'm talking about this, (laughs) Mm -hmm. because it feels like part of that change is people craving that realness. Like I think we as a society kind of go back to recent this isolation. Mm-hmm. It feels like you just want people to like be real around you. And like, you want to feel connected and tethered mm-hmm. and in a world where we could literally sit on our computers and do everything mm-hmm. to hear somebody say anything about like what they're really feeling. It's like, Oh God, please. And thank you. Yeah, please. Right. And thank you. Cause I'm in my room thinking I'm crazy, mm-hmm. you know?
3: Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, But I also think, calling back to what grace was saying is like when we talk about our own struggles with you know feeling sad or having it veer into depression or anxiety or whatever um i think that like i have to ask myself like what what am i what is like curated and what is real i think what's helpful is to be Like, is to just be like, okay, this is this is really what I'm feeling, and I guess I'm not doing it for the likes. I'm just (laughs) saying it because it's what I'm feeling, and maybe it'll be useful for somebody, and they don't even have to like. You know what I mean? It's it's a, it's sort of a, it's it's kind of this weird like trick mirror Gia Tolentino style like spiral of like what's real, what's not real, what am I portraying, what what is actually happening? Mm -hmm. Um, But I do want to. We have to close this conversation. It was great. But Mm -hmm. we have to get to the hills this week. Um, Mm -hmm. I want to go around the table and everybody offer some generic words of encouragement (laughs) to anybody who might be listening, who might be feeling a little bit, you know, sad or going through some depression.
1: Well, thank you so much for listening. You are doing awesome. We are really appreciative of you. And this will pass. It will pass. There are ebbs and flows in life. And, um, you know, I I hate the... God, there's so much terrible advice out there. So just try not to listen to any advice. Just try to get (laughs) through it. but one step in in front, you know, one foot in front of the other. Um, You're loved. You are definitely loved. Mm
5: -hmm. Okay,
1: Megan? (sighs) I
5: think sometimes just having a good cry, you Mm. come out on the other side and feel a sense of relief Mm -hmm. and if that means you got to go into the bathroom at a Vegas casino like I did recently (laughs) I did feel better and I think it's a good sign too if you have a good cry and you don't come out of it feeling better that you know maybe it's time to try and seek some help Mm -hmm. that is around you and I hope readily available And, you know, just find one person.
0: Yeah. Make a list of three things to do today. I don't care how big or how small. Literally one of them can be shower. A lot of times for me it is. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the three should be something for someone or something else. Sometimes for me that is just walking my dog. Um, Mm -hmm. And just do those three things today. Just do those three things today. And and literally, they can be so small, like washing the dishes or folding the laundry that you might have washed a week ago. Mm -hmm. Um, Do those three things. You will be fine. And when you do them, you will know, like, oh, I can do anything.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's very good advice. Um, So my generic words of encouragement are uh, if you're feeling sad, um, sit back and ask yourself what makes you happy even if you can't do those things right now, the fact that they exist, you can hold on to them and, and think about them. Like, here's something that makes me happy. It's real dumb: uh, broccoli rice and uh, Velveeta cheese mixed mm. together. Oh, that's like, great! Yeah, like just think of those things. You know, do a pull a Julie Andrews, like Maria ah. Von Trap. These are a few <laughs> of my favorite things. Listen them to yourself. What's your favorite dumbass movie that you only yeah. watch when you're by yourself? Just Think of it. Mm-hmm. Think about a song you really love. Think about a food you really like. Think about a person whose face you like looking at. Mm. You know, <laughs> think about those things that you like. And, and you know, your feeling of sadness won't necessarily immediately go away. But remember, there are things that you really do love in the world, even if you hate this second, even if you hate today. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, that's the de- we solved depression. <laughs> we did it. Uh, we did it. Um, we did thank it. you, guys. We have to take a quick break and then uh, we'll come back with the hills that we'll die on. Okay, we're back. This is a part of the show where we get real petty. It's the hills we'll die on. Let's get started with our listener hill.
2: Hi hysteria ladies. The hill I will die on is that you should never sit down at a restaurant and be given a menu for dinner without also getting the dessert menu. How do I know if I want to have an appetizer and an entree if I don't know if there's something good to have for dessert as well? Do I need to plan to go elsewhere for dessert? I need to make these decisions from the get-go. So please, let me see everything you have on offer so I can plan my meal. Don't make me wait and either be disappointed that you have shitty desserts or have eaten too much to have a great-sounding dessert. Love that. This is my sister.
0: This is my Australian soul sister. Because I am like that. I will legit go and be like, I need to know what I'm working towards. That's what I'll say to the waiter. I need to know. Mm-hmm. I need to see it. Because yes, I might have a smaller little entree. I might. Have, I wouldn't have a pasta-based entree if I know there's a brownie sundae in my future. <laughs> this is my sister. I agree.
3: Yeah, yep. That's that's a that's a hard agree. Also, I love the way that Australians talk. I have a I have a friend here in L.A. who is. Oh, you don't love I us? I do not like
0: it. I
4: <laughs> love it. I love it.
3: I'm like an accent queen. I love <laughs> accents. I'm fascinated by them, and I love the Australian accent. I think they're great. And I love that she said on offer. Fine, I also yeah. like how that when they say look after, <laughs> I was going to look after the person, like their houseplants or whatever.
1: Anyway, Australians are great. Para, what's your hill this week? Well, harkening back to something that Megan said about how this is a season where we're all just stuffing our faces full of disgusting bullshit. Um, I the hill that I'm going to die on is along the same lines, talking about food, talking about preparation of food, talking about hygiene. Y'all need to wash your hands more. Yeah. And I say this because I recently contracted some shit and I almost, I tried on wedding dresses this past Saturday. I woke up oh, in the morning with a rumbly tummy and I got through the wedding dress situation. Okay. I almost had a bridesmaid moment, but about, I had three minutes to spare, oh my God. got home and then unleashed the wrath of God on oh God. poor Beechwood Canyon. And I don't know what it was. It was not food because nobody else got it. And I ate the same things that everybody else did, but it was some bug situation. Mm. And I know, I know somebody out there with the filthy little hands <laughs> put it on to either a dress that I was trying, some. Thing. Uh-huh. And it was real bad. And I just don't think that we are hygienic enough. And you know what? I say that as somebody who could up her hand washing game. So, wow. Hill I'll Die that's on. That's incredible. Wash your yeah. Hands. yeah, that's, that's
3: right. good. Literally, people will die on yeah. that hill. If yeah. <laughs> you not wash your hands, you could get diseases. Yes. Well, Grace had to leave because she's busy. <laughs> um, but so uh, so I'll go next and we will all shit on Grace. <laughs> <laughs> the hill that I'll die on this week is we have to stop with the weather inflation. And by that I mean like the hysterics mm. around every single weather event. When I was a kid, we didn't have a fucking bomb cyclone. <laughs> we didn't have we didn't name our winter storms Wilbur or or Bernadette or whatever. Yeah. We didn't we didn't have like these super triple dark black hurricane <laughs> You know, hurricane rains. It's like, I, yes, I get that what extreme weather is happening. Mm-hmm. I get that climate change is real. But like, let's like dial back the selling of weather. I just think mm. it's, it's too much. And people freak out and just say it's going to snow.
5: <laughs> snowing snowing is itself, uh, yeah, it, I get it. You don't need to like add all these extra words. Well, because the <laughs> thing is, you think you're not going to have to go and do anything. So you uh, you get like snow day brain and be like, well, everything's going to be canceled tomorrow. <laughs> and then nothing happens. And you're like, yeah, but I was planning to not do anything. <laughs> <laughs> and now I have to do something. And this is the weather person's fault. Yeah, that's true.
3: I mean, I think it's better to under promise and over deliver, though, than to over But you have to be
0: prepared. I think the <laughs> The problem is because not enough people believe in climate change. We have to, like, try to scare them. Uh-huh. But I hear what you're saying, because trust me, when I heard the phrase bomb cyclone, I said, I'm going to need you to relax. <laughs> because what can you do about that, right? Yeah. But then also, too, just now, the storm that was just on the East Coast, it was called Winter Storm Ezekiel, which I thought was, like, <laughs> way too much, I think, as far as storm <laughs> names go. You don't give them a Children of the Corn name. Thank you. I was like, okay, literally coming for us all, Ezekiel. <laughs> and so that, that is, like... I mean, I am like, I don't like naming storms in general. I think you can just say the date the storm took place. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? You could say like the November 2019, November 10th, 2019 storm. We don't need a name. Yeah. I like when they go alphabetical, though.
5: Like with her, you know, with hurricanes, they're like tropical storm Agnes, and then you're like, "What's gonna be B?" Like when there's something when you can like guess. I do like. See, that. this is
0: why I didn't think you had depression, because you're really finding joy in the little things. I do find you're joy in the little things.
5: It, it's what keeps me going.
3: <laughs> but just alphabetize. You know what? Next time you're feeling bad, just alphabetize something.
5: <laughs>
3: okay, uh, Megan, you want to go next?
5: Yes. Gosh, people really come for me on my hills. Really? Do they? Yes. <laughs> I. Almost clapped back at someone the other week, and then I was like, Don't do it, don't no. do it. I know, I know. Cause no. I, uh, okay, so this one, if you can't get behind this, I just don't know what to do. I know I'm gonna get shit about the Australian thing. Um, sweaters should be soft, they are itchy. More than they are soft. Uh And so many times, I had a sweater on today that was very cute, and then I took it off because I was like, I'm going to have to be in this for like seven hours, Mm -hmm. and it was so itchy, and it was expensive. Mm. So if something is expensive, it should be soft. It should not be that itchy. I don't care how chic it looks. I have one itchy sweater that I'll never get rid of that my dead grandmother made, and she was doing the best she could, Mm -hmm. but it's like blooming. Find better
0: fabric. I want it to be yes. soft on my skin. Yes, mm-hmm. I agree. You know what? I was, I was thinking about a sweater I just bought from h H&M. and I think sweaters should be warm, but also breathable. Like this mm-hmm. is a sweater where like the moment I come inside, I'm sweating. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's just, and I'm like... But it's not like very thick. No, it's got to be breathable, breathable and soft, soft and breathable. It's all we
3: want. Yeah. I mean, cashmere is a little bit of a scam in a lot of cases. Really? If you
5: get like a yeah, it, it, the, it the, itchy, do it. the itchy, the oh, itchy, the itchy thing it, is it, like if I touch cashmere and it's itchy, I want that store to go bankrupt. <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay, insane.
5: yeah, I, I agree. Soft sweaters got to do it. Uh, Naomi bring us home.
0: Well, okay. Something simple, you know, as you could tell by my excitement over uh, the menu hill, my hill is food related. Okay. We've just come off of Thanksgiving and you guys why aren't we eating stuffing year-round? Because i tell telling you, I have it once a damn year. And then I go, where the hell has it been? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, then I was like, and then so many people were like, well, in England, we have stuffing all the time. This, okay, then. Okay, America, where you at with the fucking stuffing? I was like, literally, like, fucking savory bread, bitch. Mm-hmm. Sage, mm. what are we... I get stuffing once a year. It's literally all I look forward to for Thanksgiving (laughs) is stuffing. We went to a friend's house. You know, it was like a a potluck thing. And literally, I was like, are you going to finish all that stuffing? Literally, they gave me a tray of stuffing to take home. Ate it over four days. And granted, four days of stuffing, you're going to have some difficulty pooping. (laughs) But the flavor is undeniable. We need to be having stuffing year-round. It needs to be an option. I need to be able to go to restaurants and have stuffing. And there should be all types. Um, You know, a cornbread, a bread bread. You know, maybe you want to do a meat, but it should always be vegetarian. A range of gravies. I just feel like we're not having stuffing as much as we could be having stuffing. It's not complicated to make. You could open a gourmet stuffing restaurant. I thought about it. It oh, Where it's be-
3: like a like a gelato counter, wow, where it's just wow. stuffing. It's called,
0: it's already, I got it. It's called That's the Stuff. <laughs> and you get a range of stuffings, range of gravies. And then a couple of kind of cranberry toppings. And if you've got a stuffing that has a little meat in it, then, well, that's your full meal. That's your full meal. Mm-hmm. But you're getting a range of stuffings. I'm already on top of that. <laughs> Consider this a copyright. <laughs> you know, when I was living in Chicago, there was a place
3: called the Meatloaf yes,
0: Bakery. I was just going to bring this up. <laughs> and I would meatloaf?
3: cross it and I go, I got to go
5: there because I do love meatloaf. <laughs> oh, my God. And I never went. And I'm like, and it shut down.
3: Yes, it did. Oh, but no. Megan. Megan I was dating a guy who lived a block from the meatloaf bakery and it's like (laughs) meatloaf meatloaf in the shape of a cupcake (laughs) and on top of it they put little mashed potatoes
0: cheese and stuff oh my god a full meal cupcake Savory cupcake. It was a meat cupcake, and um, it
3: was
5: inexpensive
0: real estate. Yeah,
5: it was on a prime. street It was street. on like Clark Street. Yeah, yeah. It was. Was it busy? Were um, people there? No, no that's why yes, it closed and down. They paid. Yeah.
3: yeah, that's not why it closed down. But I think that's the stuff has some hope. Yep, thank you. It can uh, you. occupy the meatloaf
0: bakery. <laughs> no, do,
3: do it in Chicago. That's a food town. Yeah, people would. And it's indul- cold a lot. Yeah, absolutely. People would have a hole. That's the stuff type Shark situation. Tank.
0: I gotta go in shark tank
3: yeah that's oh sad. my god that's the stuff um naomi megan and grace thank you so much for coming by today thanks to Alyssa master monaco and elise Hogue for talking about the news and there'll be more hysteria next week hysteria is a product of crooked media Caroline Reston is our producer, our editor is Sarah Barrett, and Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Thank you to Juliet Beckstrand for production support, and to our digital team, Elijah Cohn, and Nadina Melkonian for filming and editing our video content every
2: week.